0: Population control, audibly transmitted viruses, mind-altering radio frequencies, wavelengths that microwave your brain, invisible propaganda from blinking towers in the distance, hundreds of birds that will die all at once, cancer, electromagnetic radiation, bio-warfare. These are some of the craziest ideas, the science fiction nightmares, right? Right. They are also just some of the events that defined the 5G apocalypse, according to the conspiracy theories about 5G. I want you to know, I am skeptical of almost everything, especially a technology like 5G. And I don't want to make light of anyone's fears. I get it. The pace of our new world is daunting. Many of those things were said about a field that I have been in my whole life radio, or television. Here's the thing. We now live in the, airy, uh, in the era of velocity. Speed will determine absolutely everything. And if we have learned anything in the last 30 years, it is that technology is a lot more complex than we are. But it is important to know the facts about technology so you're not bamboozled either in or out of something that will change life forever. And what will change people's lives is 5G. The reality of 5G maybe is worse than all of that. I mean, we could find ourselves quickly under the thumb of a real dystopian uh, autocracy. Wars don't take place in fields anymore wars may not even involve people soon because of things like 5g the clandestine combat of the cold war is a relic we still use humans but that will change because war takes place now through digital technology and the technologies in your life and mine The nation that develops and dominates the latest technologies and the biggest pipeline of information, data and communications, that is the one that will win the war. And at the moment, China is far more advanced than any of us realize. And right now, we are intentionally shooting ourselves in the foot. As commissioner of the Federal Communications Commission, uh, today's guest is one of the few people that can actually help us clear away the fiction to get to the truth. Something is very wrong with what's being said about 5G. Today on the Glenbeck Podcast, welcome Commissioner Brendan Carr. Since Roe versus Wade, over 63 million babies have been aborted in the U.S. That's nearly one in four pregnancies. They end in death. Choice to to choose to, to kill the child. In the midst of this awful tragedy... We can do something about it. It's called preborn. This is where technology comes in. It is the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. It's the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the U.S. Here's what we found. By letting a woman see her baby on an ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she is 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. This is why... The left works so hard to make sure, wait, you don't need an ultrasound. You you don't need to hear anything. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and to see women come to Christ and change their lives. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have counseled over 340,000 women who are considering abortion. Just about half of that, 169,000 babies have been saved, were born. The Ministry of Preborn and Blaze Media, we are partnering to help rescue babies from abortion in 2022. And you are the answer. You are the hero of every preborn baby in this nation and an ambassador for eternal life for every mom, dad and family that walks into every preborn partner clinic. Here's what I'd like to ask you. $28 will sponsor one ultrasound to to help save a baby's life. $28, 28 bucks 140 will save 5 babies. Give them a chance at least to life. All the gifts are tax deductible. I challenge the audience, but I challenge you. How many babies will be born because you live and you partnered? An ultrasound machine will save countless lives for years to come. They're about $15,000, much more than the centers can afford. Your donation will place a machine in a needy women's center where it's most likely for abortions to happen. So please, will you help rescue babies' lives? Donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or go to preborn.com slash <laughs> Commissioner Carr, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great. Good to see you again.
0: Go yeah, ahead. good to see you. Thank you for being on. There, there's a story that I'm perplexed by, um, and it, it, it all revolves around 5G. What the heck is happening with the rollout of 5G and the airports and the airlines and all of that? What, what, what is real here?
1: Yeah, well, look, I, I agree with you. I'm very perplexed as well. Let me take it from the start, which is this concern that's been raised that 5G is gonna cause harmful interference into uh, the altimeters of uh, airplanes. This is simply incorrect. Uh, The FCC addressed this issue over almost two years ago now. We looked at the science, we looked at the real world experience, the fact that 5G is live over C-band in nearly 40 countries. We put in a massive 200 megahertz guard band, which is a lot in spectrum sense. And in fact, we've doubled that large guard band here. And the wireless carriers are gonna mimic the same spectral environment that exists today in France. So if the aviation industry believes the fear-mongering that they're putting out there, then they shouldn't be flying in and out of Charles de Gaulle every single day. So I think this has a lot more to do, unfortunately, with bureaucratic politics. And frankly, this reflects a broader pattern within the Biden administration of just chaotic decision-making. This was a decision that was teed up the way Congress has intended it, the FCC looks at it, and this has gone off the rails You know, pretty late in the process.
0: Okay, so l- let's start with a basic understanding of 5G. Let me tell you what I think it is, and then you tell me where I'm wrong or enhance. Um, from what I understand, if the Internet today, if 4G were a garden hose, and all of that information coming through that garden hose, um, it's pretty packed tight. 5G is the size of the channel compared to the garden hose. And it allows information beyond our wildest imagination to go back and forth. It will allow all of our our refrigerator to talk to everything. Everything will be connected. Is that an accurate description?
1: That's almost right. The only uh, tweak I'd make to your analogy is, the garden hose actually is staying the exact same width. It's just through technology, uh, the bits, or in your analogy, the water is being packed immensely more efficiently. So through that same sized pipe, you're moving a tremendous amount of, of, of new data. So you're, you're essentially right in concept there.
0: Okay. Um, and is that like a, I mean, I hate to go here because it's probably so ridiculous, but like a zip file, it just compresses all of it, gets it through the pipe, and then opens it back up?
1: You got that. You got that basically okay. right. Yep.
0: OK, here's the concern. The concern is this will be this will allow for dystopian kind of monitoring if it would go wrong. Correct. China.
1: Well, to some extent, you're right. You're right. And that's why we have stepped up activity, particularly you know, in the last administration on entities like Huawei and ZTE, because, look, to your point. When the internet was about sending email files back and forth and looking at cat videos, that's one thing. But now to your point that every single thing is getting onboarded onto the internet, not just banking, financial information, to your point, security camera, everything is now connected to the internet in this 5G world. The concerns about national security and cybersecurity are heightened. That's why we, during the last administration, essentially kicked Huawei out of our network, kicked ZTE out. We prevented China Mobile from connecting to our network. Um, And I've raised a red flag about DJI, which is a Shenzhen-based uh, drone manufacturer. As well. So you're exactly right that the increased capacity, the increased functionality, the increase of things going on on the internet underscored the need to be very vigilant about personal security, uh, cybersecurity, and national security as well.
0: So here's a concern of mine um, on China and what this argument is about. It doesn't make logical sense. As a guy who I'm not a... Technology guy, but I I am uh, you know futurist wannabe. I know enough to be dangerously wrong, okay, um, hmm. and uh, and I know enough to say this is bullcrap. What they're talking about at the airport is bullcrap. Now you put that into perspective, knowing that the United States has been behind the eight ball um, with China. And things like Huawei for a while, and it is a race. If Europe, if everybody else goes with Huawei, we can no longer trust any kind of network um, to be able to share with our partners. China will own all of the information that they want. Is this obstacle at all in, in any way helping China get footholds either here or elsewhere? While we are damaging ourselves,
1: I think you brought the exact right perspective. So, as a general matter, five uh, G from China's perspective is sort of the digital version of their Belt and Road Initiative, Correct. right? So they're going into Africa, they are building ports and airports and bridges. And when you know that type of uh, uh, you know uh, debt diplomacy doesn't work, they end up foreclosing or at least threatening to on those ports and bridges. Well, now. They're similar going out into Africa and other parts of the world through Huawei, through ZTE, building this digital infrastructure. And now when you don't do what they want, rather than foreclosing on your fiscal port, they got your data. They got everything at that point. So it's a big risk. And so to your point, for the Biden administration to go out there and President Biden himself addressed this yesterday in, in the press conference mm-hmm. uh, and was described by uh, Politico as donning the uh, jersey for team delay when it came to 5G. This isn't a good sign for America's leadership. When you go back before the Trump administration, 2015, 2016, we were losing to China on 5G. They were outpacing us. And we kicked it into gear the last three or four years. I think it's one of the great legacies uh, of the Trump administration. We leapfrogged our global counterparts. We freed up spectrum, including the C-band, which was vital to catch up to China. And then at the last minute, uh, we're putting the kibosh on it based on a misinformation campaign that this is going to cause uh, damage altimeter. So, yeah, the winner here is, you know, China continuing to exert leadership in 5G uh, and America pumping the brakes on a a vital um, sort of element of our economic leadership.
0: I'm... uh, I just did a monologue today on radio that we're the United States of America. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing about... Um, you know, the the breakdown in the global systems and, uh, you know, we can't get this. can't. well, what are we doing to make our own medicine? The one thing we should have learned in the last two weeks is we are far too dependent on every other country. We are the United States of America. I don't like going into a grocery store and seeing Shelves that would have been in Poland in the 1980s. I've only seen them in America two times during a winter storm for maybe a couple of days. And now, and we're accepting this and it is time for America. We are the ones who have always led the way into new ideas. We now are being um, led into really dangerous territory by Uh, communist fascistic authoritarian dictators who want our information what what has to happen for us to clear the path to get government at least on the side of america winning
1: yeah this episode with 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 cban is not very comforting because again congress made the decision that said look all you federal agencies feed into a process, the FCC at the end of the day is gonna call the balls and the strikes, our experts that do this for a living, and they did. And, you know, moving forward with c CBAN would have presented another opportunity for an infrastructure build for America leadership. And look, there were uh, officials at the FAA, at other agencies that sense weakness within the Biden administration. And, and instead of having leaders in the White House that stood up and said, look, Congress said the FCC makes this call, you guys had a fair and full airing of your views, They decided against you, move on. The White House said, "You know, come in, let's talk about it, let's think about it, and it showed weakness. uh, And they ended up having to cave when this big misinformation campaign came out. But look, there's a lot of talk about infrastructure, and 5G is infrastructure. And right now today, the hard work's been done. The towers have been built, tower climbers have gone up, they've hung the antennas, and all we have to do is flip the switch to turn it on. But for all the talk of infrastructure right now, that infrastructure is sitting there lying fallow for absolutely no reason.
0: Never in my life have I seen a time where doctors tell us, oh, yeah, you you got something really, really bad and you could die from it. You know what? Go home. Take an aspirin. Call me if it gets worse. Excuse me. Is there nothing that I can do? Is there nothing I can do except the vaccine and the booster? If the last two years have taught us anything is you have to take control of your own health. I have done this and I'm the only reason I do not do um, I don't do commercials for pills and everything else. I just don't. What you put in your body is your business. But when it comes to pain relief, I do recommend one thing because I take it every day. Same with this. This is called Z-Stack. Don't rely on the government or big pharma. Z-Stack. Here's what this is. It's a specially formulated immune boosting supplement that includes zinc, I think it's uh, vitamin C and vitamin D. This was all formulated by the guy who has treated me for uh, COVID and got me on the path quickly to wellness. His name is Vladimir Zelenko. He's the guy who President Trump said this is an early successful treatment protocol And it's Zelenko that was the one who said, you should take hydroxychloroquine. You should hear Zelenko talk about hydroxychloroquine. It's insane once you know the facts. Anyway, Z-Stack has been scientifically formulated. It's kosher and it's GMP certified. It is produced right here in America. And more than ever, it is important that you take control of your own health and your family's health. I want you to go to ZStackLife.com slash Beck and enter the promo code Beck. Get 5% off your first order. ZStackLife.com slash Beck. Promo code Beck. How much is 5G going to change the average person's life or experience i mean what what is really going to be the thing that we look back in five years and go i cannot believe we lived at a time what didn't have this what changes yeah
1: it's a great question i think a lot of consumers feel a little eh, maybe disappointed as to where 5g is today because we've been talking about it for so long the way i describe it to people is think about your life when we transitioned from 3g to 4g right how did you get across town you had to hail a cab you know pay exorbitant rates. Well, now as 4G came in, you got Uber, Lyft right there on your phone. Or think about how you did banking in the 3G world. You had to go to a brick and mortar facility, you had to stand in one of those rope lines, you had to use a pen that was always lashed to a table and out of ink. Well, now we've got Square uh, and other Venmo apps right on our phone. So 3G to 4G addressed pain points in your life that you didn't recognize. And that is what we are on the cusp of seeing with 5G. It's not fully there yet because it just takes some time. So 5G is gonna take pain points in your life today and develop a solution that wouldn't have been possible in a 4G world. Maybe it's AR, VR. Maybe it's uh, connected cars. Maybe it's telehealth applications. So we're still on the front end of seeing that because we're just building this technology out. In the short term, it's more competition for in-home broadband. Not as sexy as some of those other whiz-bang ideas, But 5G is being used today to give people choice and competition for high-speed service in their home, where maybe they felt like before they only had one option for high-speed service. So I'm still optimistic about it, but we've been talking about it for a while, and I think that people are like, I'm ready to see something that's actually real and different than 4G, and and I hear that.
0: So 5G, correct me if I'm wrong, what we're introducing will reduce what's called latency, to the point we can 't do telesurgery right now because it 's a hundred of a hundredth at best it 'll be a hundredth of a second behind well, if you cut the wrong you know place, you can bleed out and you can 't fix it you have to have real time very low latency latency is this 5g that they 're rolling out give us that kind of reduction in latency where we 'll be able to see people in new york operating on somebody you know that has 5g in africa
1: yeah the the responsiveness of the 5g network uh is so far beyond what we have with 4g that it is exactly those types of applications and many others that frankly if i could think about it i would probably get out of the government uh and invest in them at this stage but yeah. even i can't see what it is but you know connected cars right if you take you know uh, a millisecond difference in breaking could be the difference between, you know, life and death. There's all kinds right. of applications that the lag and the lack of responsiveness of the 4G Internet has resulted in technologists saying, I've got this idea, but the network isn't powerful enough to do it. So now we are building the network out, except in the areas where the Biden administration has, has held it up <laughs> with mm. c band, And the technologists are ready to pour in and say, again, you're going to have a pain point in your life that you don't know. Take grocery shopping. I hate going to the grocery store, but I, I like to eat, so I got to do it. <laughs> but maybe you have AR, VR, maybe you get AR, VR goggles um, with 5G that you're transported to your own grocery store virtually and you, you know your own aisles, right? I like to go down the aisles in a particular direction, helps me remember right. stuff. And so that's a that's an advance over going on to whatever grocery shopping apps there are right now. So there's things that, you know, again, are pain points we don't recognize. Someone's going to solve it and they're going to solve it because of the speed, resilience, Um, uh, of the 5g network that we didn't have with 4g
0: we're living in a time right now that i mean it must be in some ways thrilling to be an fcc commissioner because you're seeing all of this you're there at the at the space that's like okay do we do this or we do not do this um you know i've done radio for 45 years We, for most of the time, it was the Communications Act of 1933, so it wasn't very exciting. Um, (laughs) Now, however, we are wrestling with things, for instance, you just said AR or VR, we're wrestling with things like the metaverse that I don't think people really, truly understand. That's ready player one. And... It will change us as people. It will change relationships. It will change how we view ourselves. Um, it, it changes fundamentally everything. Do you spend much time or do you and your colleagues spend much time, even if you don't have to decide, thinking, gosh, which part of this is good and which part of this could <clears throat> destroy us?
1: Yeah, look, I I flip back and forth through a couple of lenses when I do this job. One, I I say very grounded in where we are and where are we falling short today. There's still too many parts of this country that have zero megabits per second when it comes to high speed service. Yet, there's parts of this country where we're making tremendous progress. We're bridging the digital divide. We want to sing the praises of that work. So you've got to balance in your mind um the positives of where we are with where are we still falling short and then we can address it. and then to your point to the future what is the upside what is the good side what are all the great things that are gonna happen from innovation and having your back of the mind uh some of the downsides in the main we as regulators try to help create the platform and we don't try to then you know micromanage what's good or what's bad about it but we have to keep an eye on it and the most important thing to me is freedom uh diversity of thinking right yeah. th- th- this this 19 well, I'll go back. The, the very first op-ed in this country was launched on the pages, believe it or not, of the New York Times in 1970. Why? Because John Oakes, the then editor said, diversity of opinion is the lifeblood of democracy. The moment we insist that everyone think the same way we do, our democratic way of life is in danger. That was a very progressive left-wing view at the time. Uh, and unfortunately, I think progressives have turned heel on that view. So as we go into this future, um, sort of where we started from. There's a concentration of power in corporate hands, and as a culture, we have to return to the embrace of diversity of views. If Twitter gets into the financial services space and starts taking their block list and denying people financial services, that's not good. If we see the metaverse developing the same way some of the Facebook censorship has, that's not good. So I do think it is incumbent as a cultural matter that we stand back up for spe- free speech, and that for those of us in government like me, to continue to work, to try to get enough votes to say, look, we need some core Uh, political anti-discrimination rules out there, more speech is better than less. So that's one thing that does worry about me about the increased connectedness is the uh, consolidation of that power in big tech. And we're going to see the creep of censorship from Twitter, which is bad enough to have censorship, but imagine getting financial services denied and everything else that's going to be connected in the future.
0: Right. And that is... That is part of the Great Reset. I don't know how much you're up on the Great Reset, but we're already seeing states take action against banks who are saying, we're going to have a certain score, ESG. If you're not on the environmental bandwagon, you're going to be a risk to the bank, so you won't get a loan. Also, E is environmental, S is social justice, and G is governance. Who do you have on your board of directors? It's truly a frightening, frightening thing because it's an end run around Congress and our Constitution. It is a public-private partnership where you might like it today, but if the other side gets in, that's a very dangerous weapon. I mean, I went on today to uh, Google and YouTube, and I've posted hundreds of videos on um, on the Great Reset. If you go to YouTube and you type in Glenn Beck, Great Reset, my videos don't come up. Now, how is that possible? I'm very concerned about the the um, it's not just the tech companies. It is they're in bed with many of the regulators or the or, or the government. And that is extraordinarily dangerous. And I don't see anyone, especially on the left, really taking this seriously.
1: Look, I think this was a blind spot for so many Republicans for so long. Look, we, we had this great moment where we sort of solidified a lot of the, the theoretical approaches of the conservative movement in the 70s and the 80s. And the idea then was the greatest threat to individual liberty is government power. And what has happened since then is the unprecedented rise of corporate power, in part, as we're talking about, because that power happens in the digital space. When you have you know railroads and other sort of you know, historic uh, instances of monopoly gatekeeping power. It was a slow moving monopoly. It took a while to build a railroad. Well, now Facebook, Twitter, they can go from nothing to having a network effect that impacts millions, if not billions of people. And so Republican party conservatives were very slow to see that um, the rise of corporate power and the threat that it poses to individual liberty. Thankfully, that has changed and it's changing very fast. If you look at where, you know, for instance, uh, you know, the Republican leader Kevin McCarthy is with some of the ideas that he's putting out there. Um and how we hold large corporations accountable, I think that's a sign that Republicans have woken up and they say, yeah, the government, don't get us wrong, is still a threat to individual liberty, but uh, the consolidation of corporate power is equally a threat. And to your point, when you blend the two together, when you've got the, uh, the Biden White House saying, yeah, we've talked to large technology companies and told them the types of misinformation that we don't like to see on your website, that blending now of corporate power and government power together is incredibly dangerous. And I do think, we now have a, a, a set of Republican leaders. And some sometimes Democrats push back on this as well. Um, Glenn Greenwald, uh, yeah. not a conservative, yeah. uh, has been very focused on this as well. This is a, a danger that Republicans were slow on. But I think we're finally coming around to, to realizing we have to use government power to push back on the intrusion of the individual liberty that come from the abuse of corporate power.
0: It's one of the things um, that I think is a is a huge win for the American people. And I don't know if it did ever get traction. You know, we're, we're entering a new space. Jobs, everything is going to change. 40% of all jobs that exist today will be gone in 2030. Replaced by what? I don't know. But that's why a lot of people are talking about UBI, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because there's going to be a few that have great power that is harnessed by AI and especially quantum um, computing that... Amer- the, the world won't have to do the things that we do. It'll be, our life will be a lot easier, more complex in some ways. Um, right now, when, when you look at the, the power of these companies, they get their power from information. We've given them all of our information. And so they use it in a myriad of ways. And some people, they don't care. Is, is it possible to create a situation to where the, the individual, their rights continue to how they live their life, what they think, what they do, and they always own that information? And if you want to make money, then you can sell it to the highest bidder if you want. But you... Are the retain, you retain the rights to all of your information. And if you never want to share it, then you don't share it. Isn't that a – is that workable at all? Should we be thinking that way?
1: I think you're right. We are seeing some, some pushes on a bipartisan basis in Congress to do exactly that. And it's a mixed bag. You know, uh, the, America is very diverse. People are very diverse. To your point, some people are aware of how much data they're you know, getting taken from them by big tech – Some people don't care and some people have no idea. I think the vast majority don't know. I mean, so for instance, if you take Google, other smartphone manufacturers, you can have your phone off entirely, not connected to anything. And that phone records and knows based on barometric pressure sensors in the phone, what floor you are in a house. When did you open the door to a car and close the door to a car because of the change in barometric pressure? It knows where you go and it sends all that data back. So at some level you could say, people don't care. At another level you could say, what people know when they don't care. I honestly do not believe, I think people would be blown away if they could look and see at all of their data that is getting collected on their phone, even when it's not even on. Now, look, I don't think that means we, you know, smash our phones and become Luddites. Um, You know, I'm not someone that says, you know, this technology is all bad, but to your point, let's empower people to make more informed choices. And again, the data has a lot of value, not necessarily individual value, it's the aggregate value of it, but still let's put some power back into the hands of um, of everyday people here but
0: it is aggregate power now you know they always say we can't meet you know read um, uh, metadata well that's not entirely true and especially in the future they know they already have more information on me and you and everybody else than we even know about ourselves yep. um, they can predict exactly what we're going to do in many cases um, that's not only dangerous but It is also extraordinarily valuable and it blurs the line of, well, was that my idea to go on that vacation or to go there or to eat this or was I manipulated subtly in ways that I, I can't even know? That's not only important to discuss and know, but it is also important to be able to control and say, no, you know what? I don't want you in this part of my life and data. None of that is shared.
1: Yeah, you're right. Look, this is, again, conservatives, Republicans, we are hopefully no longer deferring entirely to whatever a big corporation wants. We are for it. And this is why, you know, we need not just Section 230 reform, not just what I would view as sort of political anti-discrimination requirements, but we need transparency. And to your point, not transparency where they, you know, show you the ones and zeros of your algorithm. There's a way they can just bury you with Uh, information that doesn't mean anything but we need transparency in a way that is understandable to people so that they can decide to your point yeah this part of my life i want cordoned off you know i'm fine with data being you know taken and 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 put to use over here but but the lack of transparency about what is going on with your data is a real problem
0: is this something the fcc should be um roping off and leading
1: yeah i think there's a yeah i think there is a role for the fcc you know when uh, When I was in the majority at the FCC in the last administration, I pushed pretty hard to try to get 230 reform. The votes weren't there. So there's a role for the FCC, no doubt. There's a role for the Federal Trade Commission and there's a role for Congress. And that's why, you know, I really like the ideas that uh, uh, Republican leader McCarthy has put out. Um, Catherine Morris Rogers, Republican leader of the Energy and Commerce Committee. They have a big tech accountability platform. There's some very, very good ideas there. And uh, I'd hope, but maybe on a, hopefully on a bipartisan basis, we can get together and pass them. But, you know, we've moved from the stage of, you know, not thinking there's a problem, being blind to it, to thinking there's a problem. And now we're actually at the stage where Penn is getting put together, you know, smart legislation is getting put together. And now we just got to get that across the finish line.
0: So um, let me switch to a subject that is, seems so old and antiquated, but it is near and dear to my heart. I'm a, I'm a radio broadcaster. I always have been, I always will. And we've been talking about the end of like AM radio forever. Radio is performing, it... it it is absolutely the opposite of what's happening to television. Television is going way down the tubes and people are finding it. You would think when Apple is providing music and you can create your own station and everything else that that would hurt radio. Radio is actually performing well. Um, however, I, I've built digital studios. I am I, in all kinds of technology. Nothing is really changing in the radio industry, and it kind of has this idea that it's dying. The mom and pop local broadcaster, the local radio station that is controlled locally is vital to anything that this country might face in 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 case of trouble that it is locally operated and and run and that it has viable technology. Is there anything on the horizon that is trying to shut down voices uh, on radio uh, to to lack the diversity that has a has an actual cash cow into it that can do it? Uh, And is there any place that the FCC should look at and say, you know, broadcasters feel free to go here, invent, think about, open up, deregulate on any place?
1: You're right about a lot there. I mean, first and foremost, there is I think the old saying is there's no greater, more visual medium than radio. It, it, it paints a picture in people's mind. It is such a powerful medium, despite all the other whiz-bang mm-hmm. technologies that we have out there. And you're right. There's a lot of local radio broadcasters that are struggling right now. I was in a small town uh, in Wyoming, was in a relatively big town. There was a radio station there that was thriving. They had local news, local reports, drove about an hour away, another small town. And there was a radio station there that was effectively playing, you know, music, off of a HP laptop that was you know pumped in from some place like Chicago and the FCC had rules in place that said you you know owner that owns that thriving radio station that wants to purchase that smaller radio station that's just pumping in canned music and actually bring in talent live people to run that program the FCC said no because we want a diversity of ownership and so therefore that HP laptop keep spinning those tunes from Chicago, you owner that lives in Wyoming that wants to open a second station and actually put real people there, you can't do that because we want diversity of ownership. And so there's some very backwards looking regulations there that I've advocated that we should get rid of. It's controversial and it it ends up uh, not happening. You know, We have rules on how much stations anybody can own. Again, well-intentioned, we want diversity of views, Um, but it ends up preventing investment. The other point there is, when you look at these wireless carriers, why do we have 5G? It's because the government doesn't regulate that in the sense that we give you spectrum, put 4G on it, put 5G on it, whatever you need, and upgrade from 4G to 5G. In broadcasting, we have a whole different approach that says if you want to go from one broadcast technology, you know, ATSC 2.0 to ATSC 3.0, whatever it is, you got to come to the FCC, you got to ask permission, you got to go through a rulemaking. So people say, why aren't broadcasters innovating more? Well, they got to get a lot more government approvals uh, than the sectors that aren't as heavily regulated and therefore that they are innovating. And with respect to diversity, I am worried. Look, there's been some pretty strong push uh, at a Democrats, particularly in South Florida, that look at some successful Hispanic radio stations—they filed petitions at the FCC, asking us to, you know, deny license transfers, to open investigations, and they've been pretty upfront about it and said, "Look, we don't like, you know, our electoral chances if the um, Spanish language-speaking community gets to hear conservative radio." So, FCC shut it down. I've been very vocal about that. I said, "Look, the FCC is not an arm of the DNC. Uh, it's not our business to police uh, and shut down speech in that form." And so yeah, to your point, there's a lot we could do. We could uh, allow more investment in these struggling stations. We could give uh, more permissionless opportunities to upgrade and innovate technologies. and we could make clear that you know we're not shutting down diversity of views.
0: so let's let's end there on on that question. It's been a year since Rush Limbaugh died. Um, many of us who are in talk radio, Owe our careers to him. He is the he was the pioneer, but he was also the meat shield for a lot of us. He took the hits. All the guns were aimed at him and he took the the hits. Um, There is a movement now to go over to go after podcasting and also to go after uh, talk radio. Are you concerned about as I get ready to possibly sign another contract with radio is, are you concerned about the security of radio and our voices?
1: I do think there's re there's reason to be concerned. Uh, I'm not in in, in panic mode uh, at this point just yet. You know, we, we, we need to continue to allow these diverse voices uh, to flourish and we need to continue to stay strong for you know, this idea of promoting a diversity of view. I'm certainly going to use my platform at the FCC to do that. Um, and, and, I, and I think that while we got to stay vigilant, um, I'm pretty confident we're going to be continuing to see, you know, a flourishing of views here.
0: Good. Commissioner, thank you so much. Any idea when we'll know about 5G?
1: Well, it's being launched right now, and it's being launched outside of the C-band, which was just a small portion of the spectrum here. So Correct. there's non-C-band 5G that is up and live, as to when this portion of the 5g spectrum the c-band will get back up and running you know i just hope that we can get some adults back in the room at the white house and they can say look we're going to side with the science we're not going to side with the hysteria when that happens then this c-band will get fully lit up again
0: god bless thank you very much commissioner thanks just a reminder